Welcome to the sermon podcast of Gamble Street Baptist Church, Fort Worth, Texas. Gamble Street Baptist Church has been sharing the gospel for over 100 years. This podcast includes sermons from our traditional Sunday morning service and our contemporary services on Sunday evenings. We hope God speaks to you through this sermon. So, Noah was listening this morning. We had a new song tonight, and he uh, foreshadowed what we're talking about next week, so I guess I need to fill in the gap. Um, Turn with me, if you will, to Ephesians 5. Uh, We're going to do 15 through 21. I know it says 20 up there. I'll explain that in a minute. Uh, We're talking about how to walk carefully and being filled with the Spirit. Uh, As you turn, it's kind of funny. My brother was just in town, and he pointed out something weird that Christians do. And um, it's that you're reading along with somebody, but you're not necessarily in the same text that they're reading. Um, it's kind of weird to think about, but it's part of being a Christian. We're weird. All right. Starting in verse 15. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. So as Christians, we're different because the, worship, the God we worship is beyond us. He is different. Isaiah 55 tells us that God's thoughts are higher than our thoughts, and his ways are higher than ours. Paul reminds us in the first letter of Corinthians that God's wisdom is so foreign to us, uh, we as humans find it to be foolishness. The things God does to bring about his will and way just seem ridiculous to us. Think about it. God humbled himself, he emptied himself to become one of the creatures meant to resemble him that denied and rejected him. He lived a perfect life, but one that was mocked and ridiculed by those meant to be closest to him. And he did this in order to die one of the most gruesome deaths possible in order to miraculously be brought back to life to show that death is not the way it was supposed to end. Seems crazy, right? Also, definitely something we would not have come up with if we were to write a redemption story today. You're not going to see a movie based on that anytime soon in Hollywood. But Paul tells us in Ephesians to walk wisely and not unwisely. So what does this mean? What does it look like? Well, as Paul also said to the Corinthians, that the spirit of a man knows the person's thoughts. And if we are in Christ, like we were talking about all throughout Ephesians, Paul is addressing a church who are new Christians who are to be in Christ, that um, we are able to discern the thoughts of God. Does that mean we know everything? No, not at all. We don't know everything. But we do find the whole story of redemption to be much more plausible. Because as we listen to God and his message towards us, and we understand better why it is that he came, and that it's because he loves us so much that he was willing to do all that crazy living in a different way and dying, uh, just to restore the relationship that he had intended for us to have with him in the first place. So in Christ, it's not so foolish. Uh, what God is choosing to do. In fact, we learn a lot about God's wisdom through his written word that he has given us. There's even a section in 
the written word, the Bible, called wisdom literature. So not to mention there's two books that are almost exclusively wisdom that helps us know how to love God better, as well as love others the way God had intended us to. Proverbs 3 tells us to trust in the Lord, to not lean on our own understanding, acknowledge God in all that we do, and to fear God, turning away from evil, but also not to be wise in our own eyes. James tells us that godly wisdom is pure, peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, and impartial and sincere. We'll look more into that fruits thing in a minute, but for now we can see that God's wisdom that Paul is calling us to is attainable in that we can look to God's word on how to live. But Paul calls us to be more than just walk in wisdom. He tells us to avoid being unwise. I know double negatives can get confusing, but as much as we pursue God's wisdom, we should also avoid worldly wisdom. Remember what God calls wise, the world deems as foolishness. So similar to what Paul was admonishing the people in Ephesus to do at the end of chapter 4, we are to put off an old man, which is the worldly ways in which we once walked, and then replace it with the wise ways of God and the new man. The wisdom we are to walk in is replacing that unwise nature that we had in the past. James had the contrast of worldly versus godly wisdom in his chapter 3. We already talked about the godly wisdom, but James says that worldly or earthly wisdom is selfish ambition, bitter jealousy, boastfulness, and where these things exist, you find every sort of disorder and evil practice. And that is exactly what Paul is directing us away from. In verse 16, he tells us to make the best use of our time because the days are evil. And if you look around at our world today, you can see vile practices and disorder growing. People are moving further away from God and are seeking their own selfish desires. They listen to the world, encouraging them to live their best lives, or uh, you only live once, so make whatever you do, or do whatever makes you happy. Um, or they say, choose an identity that makes you feel the most accepted by yourself or by others, uh, whatever makes you feel good. But people are calling good evil and evil good. And while it seems like the end times, I'm not saying Jesus is going to be back by the end of the sermon or even by the end of this year necessarily, uh, because we do not and cannot know when he will return. But all the while, we need to be using our time wisely to, to use it uh, to the best of our ability. However, uh, we are also in a point in history where people are moving away from the wisdom of God and they're seeking their own devices and we see truly evil things taking place. And in fact, biblically, the opposite of wisdom is foolishness. It is folly to pursue these worldly things, selfish ambition, things like that. It all becomes self-gratification, which is the opposite of what God had intended for us. When things are used in a manner contrary to their design, failure occurs. The good God had planned for us becomes death and destruction, fighting, division, all instead of the unity that he had in mind. Paul talked about the unity that we share in Christ earlier in chapter 4. We are to make the best use of our time and to seek and promote the things that unify us. This is why God gave the church apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, teachers. They help build the church and grow God's kingdom. The purpose of the leaders in the church is to remind the members the calling that God has placed on our lives and to pursue God wholeheartedly. The greatest commandment is to love God with all one's heart, soul, and mind. And then there's a second that is like it. That is to love others as you love oneself. It's not the worldly wisdom of loving yourself so much as you should maybe treat people 
other people better. Uh, but instead, it's thinking more highly of others, as Jesus did, than thinking of yourself. And it's even as going as far as laying down your life for others, so that you might be treated the way you wish you were treated. So do not be foolish. Instead, seek what the will of the Lord is. If you go back through the archives on Gamble Street, uh, on their website or on YouTube, uh, I actually did a Wednesday night devotion not too long ago called Our Plans Versus God's Plans. A uh, bit of a spoiler and slash summary on that is that we should seek God in all of our plans and trust him for guidance. But this requires a determination. It requires a focus. It requires a discipline to put aside our own wants and desires, but instead follow where God is leading. In order to do this, you must stay in your right mind. You've got to keep focused on the task at hand. Often people get distressed or worried about the world and what's going on and things around them, and they seek an escape from the tasks at hand. In verse 18, Paul says not to get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery. Getting drunk is a route that many people use to avoid their responsibilities and lifting the burdens of their lives. However, it's only a temporary, blood, a temporary buzz. It's a fleeting high, a momentary escape that often leads, often leads to a greater crash back into reality. More than that, it feeds a cycle of seeking more reprieve because the world is just so much worse than what it was prior to their, their reprieve in the first place. And so it takes more of a good feeling or getting higher or feeling better to get away further from the life which lets them down all the more. Dare I say it doesn't only happen with alcohol. We often find numerous things we use to escape from following the will of the Lord. We put others above ourselves because or putting others above ourselves because it's really hard to, to do this, to, to be in the right mind, to follow the will of the Lord, to, to love others more than yourself. But we are sinful, and we like to take the easy way out of things. We don't use our time on what is best, but instead we settle for things that make us feel better about life as it is. We find justifications for things that make us feel good, and there's a lot of us language in all this because it's all very self-focused. This is why Paul uses the language of debauchery, might think it's a bit extreme to say that having a little fun every now and then is vile and immoral, but considered what Oswald Chambers said, the great enemy of life of faith in God is not sin, but the good which is not good enough. The good is always the enemy of the best. God wants what is best for us. And when we settle for anything less than God's will and his way for us, we are essentially pursuing evil. We are selfish, seeking ambition and following our own worldly wisdom for what we think is right. Fun in and in itself is not evil, um, but if we choose to pursue fun over God or even success or religious practice or anything over God, then it falls into the category of sinful and, or selfish ambition, and it's living in an unwise, sinful manner. Paul gives us another contrast, and he says... Don't be filled with wine, but instead be filled with the Spirit. I like to joke that it wasn't 5 o'clock at Pentecost. So <laughs> whoever says you can't have fun as a Christian obviously didn't tell that to Peter and company because they appeared drunk with all that they were doing that first day that they were filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, like I said earlier, we can know the mind of Christ because he has given us, those who are in Christ, his Spirit. We can be discerning of what is right and wrong, and what the will of God is, because God himself is telling us, and he's showing us, and he's leading us in what that is. We can see Paul's 
in Paul's letter to the Galatians that being filled with the Spirit looks like joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, and loving one another. So these are the fruits again. Not only does Paul tell us what being filled with the Spirit looks like, but he gives another contrast showing what the flesh or worldly desires are and that they are the complete opposite. The works of the flesh are drunkenness, sexual immorality, impurity, divisions, fits of anger, jealousy, and all the things that come when you're seeking your own desires over God's. Paul even says that the flesh and the spirit are at odds with one another, and that if you're living by the spirit, you're not going to gratify the desires of the flesh. God's plan all along was to build us into this relationship in which he was with us intimately and was able to live through us, as we heard in the passage in Jeremiah, that he will bestow his spirit upon his people, and that he will be with them, and that his law will be engraved upon their hearts. So he has forgiven us through Christ and has put that law within our hearts. He gives us the ability to exhibit godly fruits, to turn away from works of the flesh. And like at Pentecost, this can look wildly different. We saw in the early church as it was growing rapidly that Christians would gather together and they would share a song or a hymn, even food and the Eucharist, even their own possessions with one another. They would praise God and exclaim his greatness everywhere they went. Dr. Spivey talked this morning about how many songs have been written out of the overflow of peoples whose hearts sought after God and were just expressing their love and gratitude towards him. And as we sung this morning in Marching to Zion, let those refuse to sing who never knew our God. Knowing God and being filled by his spirit elicits a response, and Paul says in verse 20 what that response is. It's giving thanks always and for everything. God's unworldly wisdom of coming to suffer for those who are at enmity with him, to joyfully bestow his spirit upon them so that they can return to the most intimate of relationships with him, leads us to be joyful as well. It leads us to respond in the ways that God would respond. It makes us more like his image. Now, the slide says that the end of my section I'm covering is at verse 20, but I went to 21, uh, because I think it's still um, part of this. In fact, it's still part of the same sentence in uh, the ESV. Um, so remember those greatest commandments of God, second being to love others. I think this is how we best exhibit all that we talk about tonight. Uh, submitting to one another is to put their interests above your own. We do this out of reverence for Christ because this is what Christ did for us. The Son submitted to the will of the Father to bring about our redemption. So like Noah said, next week we're going to hear about marriage and how it's a picture of how we are to submit to Christ to all things. Our reverence for Christ and desire to become more like him is what makes us walk wisely. Because God's spirit is within us, we are able to follow the commandments of God, unlike the rest of the world, who lives unwisely and seeks their own ambitions. We are able to make the best use of our time despite living in a time of great evil, because we can understand God's will for us, and that is to love him and to love others. In a moment, I'm going to pray, but after that, we're going to sing a spiritual song together, like the early church did. And we're going to be making melodies in our hearts to the Lord, giving thanks to him always, and in everything, we're giving thanks to him. And so if you've made a decision tonight or would like to make a decision to walk more wisely, We'll have uh, time available and people available for you uh, to discuss that with. So pray with me. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Gamble Street Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. 
If you have questions, we would love to speak with you. Please call 817-926-1785 to speak with a minister. If you live in or will be traveling to the Fort Worth area, we would love to have you visit. Gambrel Street Baptist Church has six church goals to reach the lost for Christ, to learn more about Christ, to touch the city through Christ, to train leaders to serve Christ, to embrace the world with Christ, and to build strong families in Christ. Please join us for our next episode.